0: Well turning your Bibles to Luke chapter six. I'm glad you made it. We know that time change killed us, right? I mean, you're just sitting there and go, man, I can't believe I'm so tired. And we just lost a whole hour and then it's raining. Thank you for coming. Turn to Luke chapter 6. We're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Luke. And Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man. Now, we have seen this. He's the Savior, the Messiah, the one who was the sacrifice and the substitute for the sins of the world. And when we think about Jesus, what do we think about? We say, well, he's the Son of God. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. He paid for sins and rose again. And he gives eternal life. He gives forgiveness. He's even conquered death. We're in a special section of the gospel of this book, and that's when Jesus is teaching on the side of a long sloping hill, which we often call this the Sermon on the Mount. Some parts of this section are very hard. Why? Well, some are hard to understand. Others are easy to understand. They're just hard to do. And so this morning we're going to continue seeing his teaching, and we're going to deal with an area that a lot of people don't like to talk about. And that's the whole issue of giving. And we're going to see that principle over and over that we've been seeing, the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you put in, you get out. And as we look at this teaching, we're going to see the idea of giving and getting and giving and blessing. And there's a lot there. May we understand it. May we see God's Word. May we make application in our lives. And I hope that as we look at this that you'll be very encouraged as we see it. Well, most of the time people do not want to talk about giving. In fact, many people think that's the goal of the church, that's to get your money. In fact, they did a survey, and they said, how do you picture Christians? How do you picture churches? And a lot of people put down, they see it as strict people who want your money. Well, giving is personal. People say, look, it's just between me and God. And it's true. It's a very personal thing. It's a decision you make based on what God has given to you. I went to Mexico once with Campus Crusade for Christ. And in the church that we stayed, on the wall of the building inside the rooms, there were the names of the members and the amount of money that they had given. And we thought, whoa, look at that. I mean, think about it. Some people say, well, I don't want anybody to know what I give. Well, in Mexico, in that church, they put it on the wall. Giving is personal. And our goal this morning as we study what Jesus taught is we would understand biblical giving and we'd make application. Now, we realize that God has given us so much. We have eternal life. We're a new person in Christ. He lives in us. He has given us spiritual gifts for service. He's given us time, money, possessions. Everything that we have comes to us from God What are we to do with what God has given to us? Well, this morning, as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Luke, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually deals with the subject of giving. You know, the thing about countryside, we, we, we deal whatever the passage talks about. People say, when are you going to do a whole sermon on giving, or a whole message on giving, or a whole series on giving? Well, primarily when you teach the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage, you deal with that when it's in the passages. Well, it happens to be in the passage. In fact, this is so special, we'll probably have a second offering today just to take care of this. It's so fun to deal with. <laughs> uh, well, this morning we're looking at this subject we're, we're, we're continuing to see that principle Sowing and reaping And what you put out, you get in And we're going to be excited about it let's, let's begin, let's remember where we are Jesus has chosen the twelve apostles. Now, they're disciples. There's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. Being a believer means you trust in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, cost you nothing. Being a disciple, the word literally means a learner, but it's the idea It comes to take the meaning that you not only believe in Jesus Christ, but you're choosing to live for Him. Then from those disciples, Jesus chose twelve men to be apostles, which means once and forth with authority. He's chosen those. They've come down the side of this long sloping hill. They're in a level place. There And he's been teaching this crowd, huge crowd. It said there was a large crowd of people uh, from Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre, Sidon, Jews, Gentiles. There's a whole bunch of group of people there. They're believers and non-believers there. And he's teaching. He started off by healing and the, the healing is amazing. The people were coming, unclean spirits left. It said people were trying to touch him for power was going from him. Well, what does He do? He then begins to teach, and we call this the Sermon on the Mount. If you really wanted a lot of details on the Sermon on the Mount, you could go to Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7 because He actually deals with it in more detail there. Luke just gives us some of the things beginning at verse 20 and going through the end of the chapter. And this morning we're going to look at this area that He deals with. It's sowing and reaping, 37, 38. Let me give you, once again, the outline of the, book, of, uh, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Luke, 20-26. through 26. Bless Blessings and woes. We saw that. Blessings to those who believe. Woes to those who do not believe. 27 through 36, dealing with our enemies. That was so hard. I'm glad we're through with it, but we're not through with it because the bottom line is you have to love those, as he says... Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. And he talks about that, so it's really a hard passage. Then, the third part, where we are now, is, we call it judging and giving, because he talks about judging, condemning, forgiving, and giving. It's in verses 37, 38. The real principle there is sowing and reaping, and we'll look at it. Then in 39 through 45, he talks about examining others, and we'll see that, how that goes. There's even, there's a little part in there that we'll, we'll take some time to look at, and we'll go over to the Gospel of Matthew to put them together so you can see it. And then last, but not least, 46 through 49 is building on the Word. He says you've got to have your life built on the basis of the Word of God. Well, notice that verses 37 and 38 go together where he says don't judge, don't condemn, uh, you, do forgive and do give. And he's dealing with those four areas. I think we've got them. the next slide. Uh, well, the prince principle of sowing and reaping it is the, is the part here in Galatians 6, 6, and 7. I, I don't know if there was when wasn't there a slide on the four? There, there they are. Uh, dealing with judging, condemning, forgiving, and giving. This is the four things in the sowing and reaping part, and we'll see it. As you know, and we got the verse Galatians 6, 7. I think it should be the next one, is do not, is, well, I don't know what happened to Galatians 6-7, but anyway, uh, just remember this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And that's, that's kind of the key. Well, uh, as we look at this, I, I think there, we saw three areas last time. Do not judge. Do not condemn. Do not pardon. That's what we saw, those three areas. And as we look at those areas, we went into some things. First of all, he said, do not judge. I think there's a judge under there somewhere. But anyway, he said, do not judge if we judge others. Now, here's a hey, do not judge People say it all the time. Say, you know, you're doing something wrong. And they say, hey, who are you to judge me? The Bible says you're not to judge. We saw last week that when a person is doing something wrong and it's wrong according to the Scripture, when you go to them and talk to them, you're not the judge. The Word of God is the judge. This is talking about judging motives. You cannot judge motives. So he said, do not judge, lest we'll be judged. Then he says, do not condemn. That was the second thing. And, and really the bottom line is we don't condemn anybody. God is the one who condemns. And Jesus Christ came not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And then the third part last week was so powerful because it was on forgiving. It was on He says, pardon and you'll be pardoned. Talking about forgive and you'll be forgiven. He's talking about our fellowship, our fellowship with God and fellowship with others. If we do not forgive others, we will not be forgiven by our Savior Jesus Christ. Not talking about eternal life, but talking about fellowship. And one of the things we saw last week that forgiveness is releasing the debt. We said that's when somebody hurts you, and they will, and sometimes people hurt you on purpose. They do it on purpose. They don't care. If you even were to go to them and say, you've hurt me, sometimes they'll look at you and say, you're just too sensitive. Get over it. And what you have to do is forgive. We forgive. If somebody wants forgiveness from us, if they come to us and ask for forgiveness, forgive them every time. If somebody does us wrong and they do not ask for forgiveness, you forgive them every time. Forgiveness is for your benefit. If we do not forgive, we'll become bitter and angry and depressed and we'll be out of fellowship. So in the sowing and reaping things, he says, don't judge, you'll be judged. Don't condemn, you'll be, you'll be condemned. Pardon, forgive, you will be forgiven. And now he moves to the area of giving. And this is powerful because notice what he says. Given it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. We want to think about this verse and see how it fits together. People don't understand giving. I want you to understand that. When I do membership training, we have one final section that I deal with giving from the Bible. And almost every one of them, I'll say, how many of you were taught this? And I'll tell, and every hand will go up. And I want you to understand, they were taught something that is contrary to the Bible. I just want you to understand it. So this morning we're going to just touch on something that those many people don't understand giving. Many times people say this, I'm afraid. If I give away some of what I have, what if I need the money? What if I need it? How am I going to make it if I give it away? God says give and it will be given to you. There are a lot of principles in the Bible about giving. In this particular passage, sowing and reaping, he says this, you give. And it will be given to you. In fact, it will be poured out. They will pour into your lap. Good measure. Pressing down. Shaking together. Running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So as we look at this, two things. We're going to look at the verse, and then I'm going to give you some biblical principles on giving. And we'll go through it. Look at verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. He says, give and it will be given to you. By the way, this is a command. It's not a suggestion. In the same way that he says, pray without ceasing. That's not a suggestion. When he says, study to show yourself approved, that's not a suggestion. That's a command. This is not a suggestion. It says give. It's a command. Give and look at the blessing. It will be given to you. God always takes care of his children. When we give, God gives back to us. There's an old saying that says you can't outgive God. There's no doubt about that. We're to give out of what God has given to us and not fear. Trust him. Listen to this. This is amazing. This is Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds and comes to poverty. You know what he says? He says, when you give freely, God's going to bless you. If you don't give, you're going to come to poverty. The sowing and the reaping. It's powerful. There are many in this room that you know what we're talking about. When we're talking about giving, you have given, and, and you have seen how God blesses you. Some of you do not know what I'm talking about. You've never understood the principle of giving. You've never seen the joy of giving. You've never taken what God's given you and trusted Him and said, Okay, I'm going to give away this portion. It's an act of worship and love and trust. I'm giving it away. I'm trusting God. And you've never seen how He blesses you. It is beyond comprehension. I'm just telling you. Some of you are missing out. Notice what he says. They will pour in your lap a good measure. pressed down, shaken together, running over. That was a picture that somebody would go and they got something and they said, go ahead and give me some grain. And they would hold out this like an apron thing and they would start pouring it in there. And they're pouring. It says it's going to be poured so much. Pressed, shaken down. We're going to make as much room. Keep shaking. We're going to keep pouring. Keep pouring. This is almost too much. Keep pouring. We're not through yet. We're going to keep pouring it in there. Running over. It's a picture of overflowing. God will bless you. Remember sowing and reaping? You give, you'll be given back by your standard of measure. It will be measured to you in return. That's why Second Corinthians says, He who sows sparingly reaps what? Sparingly. who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. If you give a little, you'll get blessed a little. If you give a lot, you'll be blessed a lot. That's the bottom line. We need to stop and think about some principles from God's Word concerning giving. Because this passage basically says, give and it will be given to you. And it will be just blessing more than you can handle. By how you give, it will be returned to you. We will give an account of how we live. We'll give an account of how we've used the gifts, the talents, the ability, the time, the money, the possessions, all that God has given to us. We'll stand before him one day and give an account. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. He's, 2 Corinthians 5.10 Therefore, each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things that we've done in this body, whether good or worthless. Romans 14 says... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise. Therefore, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. We will. So one day when you stand before your Savior and the whole issue of how you used what God has given to you, you want to hear him say, well done. I do not want you looking over at me saying, why didn't you teach us this stuff? Why didn't you tell me about this? I don't want to miss out on this. It's truth. You do not want to miss out on this. So let's see what we can uh, look at from the Bible. Biblical truths we must teach in the Word of God. We must teach the Word of God in all areas. So here's the first one. The first biblical truth is everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. He is the creator and redeemer of the world. He is the owner of everything. All things belong to Him because He made them. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Why is it? Because He made it. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God spoke. He did it all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as they say. Everything belongs to Him, including each of us. Every one of us in this room, we were created by Him. Psalm 139 says, He formed us, we belong to Him. All things belong to Him. John chapter 1 verse 3, all things were made by Him, and not anything that has ever been made has come into this world except made by Him. So first of all, everything belongs to Him, cause He's the creator. Jesus Christ created it all. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. All things were made by Him, for Him, and through Him. He is the Lord. He rules the world. Everything belongs to Him. Just understand that. Everything. Number two. We are stewards of God. We belong to Him and He's entrusted to us. Now think about this. He's entrusted us with things. Our lives, our lives. Our time, our money, our possessions, everything. Everything we have comes from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What do you have that God has not given you? The answer is nothing. Everything we have comes from God. We're just stewards. We do not say, my home, my car, and my time. Because in reality, that's God has entrusted those things to us. They're really His. In the same way that I can say, I'm going to go into my office and sit down at my computer. That's not my office, and that's not my computer. That's been entrusted to me by you, by this local body. You say, JB, you get to be in that office. And if you want to, we get you this computer. It's not your computer. It's our computer. And I'm to use it wisely. In the same way your lives... Your possessions, your time, your car, your money, all of that is not yours. It belongs to God. He has entrusted you with that. You are to be wise stewards of everything that he's given. That's what we're to do. We're to use it wisely. There, there are, in a sense, there are three things when you think about money. There are three things we can do with money and possessions. We can save and give and spend. That's what we're to do. We're we're to save. You realize that when you get from God, you're to save a portion of that. One of the Proverbs says, the the fool spends all that he has. It is a wisdom to take what God has given you and save some. Second is you're to give. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, let a person give as he purposes. We're to give of a portion of what God's given us. And then to spend wisely, to use wisely. Because whatever we do in word or deed, we're doing it all in the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ. So, God has entrusted to us time, money, possessions, spiritual gifts, all things, and we're to use it for His glory. So, we are stewards. So, everything belongs to God, and He has entrusted to you the things that you have, including your life, your days, your family, your possessions, your money, everything. Third, and I mentioned it a while ago, we are accountable for to God. One day we'll stand before Him and we will give an account of our lives. Now this has nothing to do with salvation. You know that salvation is a gift. Eternal life comes simply by faith. It costs us nothing. It's by grace. You have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves It's the gift of God. We're talking about your rewards and how you live for Jesus Christ and how He's going to use you on, not only in the kingdom, but on into the eternal state. And one day when you stand before Him, you're going to give an account of what He has given you and how you've used what He has given you. We're to use wisely all that He has entrusted to us. 1 Corinthians 4:2. 2, Moreover, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found what? Faithful. That's the bottom line. Faithful in our lives, our times, our possessions, our money, on and on. Now, with that in mind... We've seen that God owns everything, that He's entrusted things to us, and we're accountable. With that in mind, I want you to think specifically about giving. And this takes us to number four, and that is we're to give a portion of what God gives to you. We are. We're to do that. We're to give. Notice what it says in verse 38. Give, and it shall be given to you. Give, and it will be given to you, and they'll pour it out in your lap, and it'll be just running over. As God gives to us, we are to give away. Second Corinthians 9, 7. I'm going to give you the verse. We're going to go look at it in just a few minutes. But he says, let a person give as they purpose in their heart, not grudgingly or necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. I've taught this many times, so most of you know it. But if you look in the Greek, the Greek word for cheerful, do you know what it is? It's hilarious. We get hilarious from it. God loves a hilarious giver, a cheerful giver. This is not an option. This is a command. He says, take what I have given you and give away. Whereas the Bible commands us to love and to pray and to study and to serve, he also, the Bible also commands us to give. What God has given to you, you're to give away a portion. We're going to see it in just a minute, but you give as an act of love and worship and trust. We'll talk about it in a minute. So give a portion away. That means when God gives you money, when God gives you things, you say of this, I'm going to save some because we said a wise man doesn't spend everything he has. I'm going to give away a portion and I'm going to use wisely the rest that God has given to me because technically it's still not mine. It's his and he's entrusted it to me for his glory. So how do we give? That's number five. How do we give? The first thing I want you to see is giving needs to be planned. Okay, the first one I've got there is it needs to be a regular giving. It needs to be planned. Like when they say it's time for the offering and they're doing the plate and you're going, oh man, I didn't even thought about this. What do I have? Do I have a 20? Do I have a 10? What do I have? What can I put in there? Or do I even want to put anything in there? Giving has to be planned. It's not a spur of the moment, gee, let me see what I have in my pocket. It's that you take what God has given to you, and as an act of worship and love and trust, you give a portion of that away. So it needs to be planned. 1 Corinthians sixteen two says, as you gather together on the first day of the week. He was talking to the church at Corinth. He said, put it together. There's a second thing, and that it needs to be first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 You know what that means? That means when you get what you get, you take it, and from the very first that you get, you give away. You don't do as most people do, is we get our money, we pay our bills, we do our thing, we do our thing, we do all our stuff, and if there's anything, happens to be anything left over at the end, we might give some away, if there's anything left over. But you know what? There's just never much left over, because the average American spends 115% of his income every month. You understand that? Most Americans are going into debt and debt and debt every month. So there's nothing left over. You give as first fruits. When God gives you, you trust Him. You take what He gives you and you give a portion of that and you give from the front end, not the back end. I remember talking to a family when I first came. This is years ago. This great little family in our church. They were young. They were, And we were talking and something came up about giving. And they said, we wish we could give. But, but by the time we pay all our bills and do everything we're supposed to do and go over the place, there's just nothing left. I said, well, flip it around. Take what you get at the first of the month and you give away your portion. And you just come trust God that all the rest will happen. And you know what? It did. And it does. So it's planned. There's a second thing in that it's purposeful. And I want you to turn with me. Hold your place in Luke. And I want you to turn to Second Corinthians 9. Just turn over there. And I want you to see what he has to say. Because I'm going to teach you something. If you don't know this already, it'll, it'll change you. You'll go, wow, I've never even thought about that. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to look at verse 7 and see what he says. This is how you give. You give purposefully. Notice, 2 Corinthians 9, I hope everybody's over there. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one must do, and of course he's talking about giving, because in verse 6 he says, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must do, must give, just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, a hilarious giver. Now I want you to notice, each one must do as he purposed. You Decide what you give. It's not a law system. Notice it says, not grudgingly or under compulsion. It's not some law that says you have to give a certain amount. You give as you purpose, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want you to understand something. I'm going to teach it very quickly. Look at this. When you talk about giving, there are actually two kinds of giving you find in the scripture. There's what we call free will giving, which is called free will offerings. It's acts of worship. And there's a thing called required giving, which we're called tithes. There are three tithes in the Bible, by the way. This is not worship. Tithing is not worship. And we'll talk about it in just a second. Now, you see those two things. Free will offerings and, and uh, free will giving are offerings. Required giving, tithes. Let me explain something to you. Just listen to me. From Adam and Eve, from the time that God created Adam and Eve, all the way to Moses, as you look at the Scripture, what you will find, there are free will offerings. there are acts of worship. When Cain and Abel, they brought their offerings. When Abraham brought his offering, Noah brought an offering. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they all brought offerings. They were acts of worship to God. So one of the ways that you find from Adam and Eve to Moses, in order to worship God, our act of worship, was this, this offerings. Now... After Moses led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, they went to Mount Sinai, they got a law system, they got a sacrificial system in which the priesthood, the tribe of Levi and the priest, would run this, this tabernacle which later became the temple. He set one tribe apart. Here's what he said he would do. All the other tribes have land to make a living. But the tribe of Levi does not have land to make a living. Everyone must support them and the sacrificial system. So under the Mosaic law, there were still free will offerings which people gave as acts of worship. But there was a tithing system in which they gave to the priest and to the tabernacle to keep it going. Because the priest didn't have land that they could make a living from. Now, under that was called the tithes, three tithes. They gave 10% every year for the priest. They gave 10% every year for the tabernacle. And they gave 10% every third year for the widows, orphans, and priests. So the Jewish people gave 20% of tithes every year for the priest and the tabernacle. They gave 30% every three years. That were not acts of worship. That was to support the sacrificial system. They still gave of their offerings as acts of worship. When Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, he was the final sacrifice for sin forever. We're not under a sacrificial system. We're not under the Mosaic law. We never have been. We go back to the free will offerings as acts of worship. Every one of you in this room, you're not under a tithing system. You're under the grace system as an act of worship. You give a free will offering. That's why on Sunday morning we talk about our offering. We don't say tithes and offering. We're not under a tithe system. If you want to put yourself under a tithe system, you have to give 20% every year, 30% every three years. You take it to the storehouse of the temple. The temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. It's not been there since. So, if you want to give it to me, you can, but that, there's no place to take it. So bottom line, you're not under a tithing system, you're under a grace system, you're under free will offerings as an act of worship. And when you give, you give in a threefold way. I think that you give as love, worship, and trust. First of all, love. The Bible says that when you give, it's an act of love, it's showing that you love God and love others That's second Corinthians. It's an act of worship. And it is worship when you give, as that offering plate comes by, and you have decided before God, here's what God here's what God has given me, here's what I'm giving. It's an act of worship. Philippians 4 talks about acts of worship, and then it's an act of trust. Listen, if you had a hundred dollars and you gave away twenty, you're gonna to have to trust God that you can live on eighty like you would have lived on a hundred. You're gonna to have to trust Him. That's part of a walk of faith. He says, I want you to trust me. I want you to give away a portion of what I give you so that you trust me. Now, people always say, well, we're not under law. You're not. You're not under law. So how do we give and what do we give? Well, uh, there is no set standard. But let me just tell you something. If you gave 20 and 30 percent under law, what should you do under Grace. People say, well, maybe 10%, let me tell you, if you ask me, now you're talking, just asking me, this is not my plan for you, this is my plan for me, 10% would be a start, that'd be bottom line. If somebody says, 10% is what I'm shooting for, I'm saying 10% is where you ought to start. But let me tell you something, we know our culture, we are the most in-debt culture that's ever been. And if you told most people you really need to take, start by giving at least one-tenth away, they say, I can't do that because we got such debt. I just say, start wherever you can. Take whatever God gives you. Give a portion away. And as time goes by and you get yourself out of debt and you do those kind of things, you can give more and more because the more you give, the more He will bless you. That's a biblical principle. That's not your motive. Your motive is an act of love and worship and trust. But he tells you, you give, and it will be given to you. I've got a couple, uh, I know we're running out of time, but I want to show you something. Turn on to first Timothy chapter six. Just turn over there, okay? Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians, first Timothy chapter six, right at the very end, verses nine and ten. I want you to see something. He tells us what to do. First Timothy chapter six, verse nine says, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation. You know, there are a lot of people in America that want to be rich. And the goal in life is not to be rich. The goal in life is to serve the living God and make an impact for Him. He may choose to make you rich, but that shouldn't be your goal. He said, if you want to get rich, you'll fall into temptation and and snares. Verse 10 says, for the love of money is the roots of all sorts of evil. And by longing for it, some have wandered away from the faith. Doesn't mean they lose their salvation. That means they quit growing as Christians. There's some people who love money so much. Money's not bad itself. It's the love of money, which is the, the roots of all sorts of evil. And people move away. Now watch verse 17. You ready? Instruct those who are rich in this present world. Now, when we think of somebody rich, we think of, oh, okay, you know, all these people and these people who got all money and houses. Let me tell you what. You compare any of us in this room with the rest of the world. We are all wealthy. We are rich in this present world. He says, instruct those who are rich in this present world. That's us. Don't be conceited because we got a lot. Don't fix our hope on the uncertainty of riches because you can't put hope in riches because it will be gone. But put your hope on God who richly supplies us with all things. And then look what he says, verse 18. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, be generous, that's giving, and ready to share. What does he tell us to do? He says, don't get all caught up in the." money and all that kind of possessions and things he said listen just remember this don't put your, your hope in anything that's material possessions that could be gone before you know it put your hope in God and be ready to be do good works and to give and to share when you stand before Jesus Christ you want to hear him say well done you, were, you did great in all that I gave you don't say to me JB I wish you I, I wish you told me about it Because I'm telling you, I don't want to stand before you and for anybody else and say you didn't teach the whole counsel of God. We have to know this. Go back to Luke 6 as we finish it. Look what he says. Do not judge that you'll be judged. We saw that. Do not condemn. You won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Pardon and you'll be pardoned. Forgive. Give. It'll be given to you. They'll pour into your lap. Good measure. pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. For by your standard of measure it'll be measured to you in return. Starting next fall. We're going to have some studies beginning in our church by Crown Ministries which help people understand biblical principles about giving, getting control of their finances, getting out of debt, and learning those things. If you're interested in that, we'll be making announcements beginning in the summer. We'll be starting them in the fall. You may say, I want to get into one of those groups. I want to find out all these principles from God's Word because I'm just touching on it this morning. May we, as those who are stewards of our great God, Where we use wisely all that he's given us, giving as an act of love and worship and trust. Let me give you the applications. Let's give of what God has given to us. Let's do it. A, we are stewards of what God has given. Everything that we have, remember, he has given to us. B, use wisely all that he has given to us. Let's take it and use it for his glory. C, we will give an account to God. One day you'll stand before him. D, give as an act of worship. Remember, it's free will offerings. It's your love and your trust as an act of worship. E, give regularly and of your first fruits. That's a key. That's a key. And last but not least, know that God will bless us. May we use wisely what God has entrusted to us, giving generously, knowing that God will use us and bless us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Lord, we just, we just want to give as, as Jesus actually says, given it will be given to us. We know we're stewards of what you have given to us. We want to use it wisely. We know we're going to give an account. Lord, may we give as an act of worship and, and love and trust and free will offerings. And may we give on a regular basis. And, and may we give out of first fruits and knowing, Lord, that you are working all these things, and we can rest in you, and you will bless us. Lord, may we trust you in this area. Lord, thank you for a a church that loves you, wants to live by the Bible, wants to be taught the Bible, wants to know the Word. May we live it out, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.